Good morning. On this bowl of question crunch, we have questions for the ever so spooky Mac Bove. We talk about her love of werewolves, the various projects that she's involved in, artwork that she's created, and she even gives me a 15-minute tarot card reading to find out where my mind is in these troubled times. Uh, thanks for being here. Um, I'm okay. So first of all, I want to mention that uh, this uh, that you are one of my favorite people. Um, I love everything, every uh, creative thing, every creative endeavor that you get into is just really entertaining and also very spooky. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. That is uh, very very appreciated. <laughs> oh, I appreciate your stuff. Um, cause the first time we met, you were actually dressed up as Mary Shelley at Comic Fest. Yes, that's correct. I had a blast doing that. It was really very, very cool to be invited specifically to embody that character and interact with people. Now, how, how did you get hit up for that? Uh, somebody was searching for a Mary Shelley on Facebook as one is wont to do. And I got tagged. Another friend was like, oh, my God, you have to it has to be Mac. It has to be Mac. It has to be Mac. And they were looking at a few people to potentially do it and ended up contacting me. Um, earlier uh, on a previous episode, uh, I had Matt Dunford on as a guest. And yeah. he, he had mentioned that Comic Fest is a fest that is, is a convention and might be the last convention of the year. We'll see. Um, but Comic Fest uh, is a is a convention that I always walk away making a new friend, and you are definitely one of those friends that I made that year. Uh, that was so I, much fun. Uh, it was a blast <laughs> meeting you, and uh, <laughs> that at, at that show, that's when uh, so we became friends, and I went on. Uh, I, I think you were doing a Kickstarter. It was Kickstarter, right? Yeah, I was working on a Kickstarter for a project that's on temporary hold right now. <laughs> As, you know, projects happen. Um, and yeah. that introduced me to your love of werewolves. Yes. Yes, my my one true love, werewolves. <laughs> now, what is it about werewolves that you love so much? Oh, God. So I've been fascinated with werewolves ever since I was a kid. And for me, it's been truly a, a lifelong thing ever since I started reading short stories and watching the old Universal films. And it's this idea of, well, it's twofold. On one hand, it's the idea of transformation. And I think that that's really fascinating. And um, I always wanted to be able to turn into an animal, maybe with more control, but that was always appealing to me. Um, but the other thing is, I feel like werewolves are a very good metaphor for a lot of things. And I think that we all have kind of felt the way that werewolves are portrayed, where it is something that you are cursed with. You just, you don't have a choice in the matter. And that's kind of how it goes with the world. Sometimes you get thrown these curveballs, and you have to navigate these different pieces of yourself throughout your life. And sometimes it feels very uncontrollable. And so I, I think they, I think they're a metaphor that applies to everyone as, as well as being just a fabulous supernatural beastie. That, uh, I feel like I needed to hear that. That was, <laughs> <laughs> that resonated more than I was ready for. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, I love werewolves, underworld, hell yeah. And then you said that, I was like, well, shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on it right now. It's with uh, my editor, but I actually have a novel that I wrote. And hopefully, I'm hoping we'll get it to publication this year. And it's been interesting because the lead character is a werewolf. And I've had a lot of people that... Uh, beta read it for me and came back to me with like, oh, I think it means this. Oh, I think it means that. And just all got something very different from the same character story. And I thought that was really fascinating. That's pretty beautiful. 
Um, which werewolf transformation is your favorite? I'm a big fan of the American Werewolf in London transformation. That's I a good think one. <laughs> because you can see everything. The acting is perfect. It's in a brightly lit room. It's one of the best practical makeup effects I've ever seen in my life. So I, I'm captivated every time that scene comes on. Now, which uh, transformation? You said you would prefer a transformation that have more control. Well, for me personally, I'd, you know, there's people out there that probably need to be torn apart and eaten. But, <laughs> you know, it would be nice if it was a little more directable <laughs> and a little less, oh, I'm going to eat my family now. <laughs> um. I, well, the reason why I was asking about like more control is uh, one of my favorite werewolves is still always going to be Teen Wolf, and uh, the, the movie Teen that Wolf. Movie so <laughs> much. I that is probably the movie I have seen the most in my life. <laughs> What's your favorite? Because scene from I that would movie? just put it. On. Oh, go on. Uh, oh, I would just put it on at night when I was trying to fall asleep. So that was one of my constant films to just chill out to. Favorite scene, though? Oh, man. I mean, I'm a big fan of when he shows up at the dance and he's all dressed up <laughs> in a white suit. And everybody automatically knows this wolf-themed song. And it's just so ridiculous and wonderful. <laughs> I'll be honest. Like, uh, when I went to prom in my junior year of high school, I did wear an all-white tux. And I'd like to say it's because I thought it was funny. But now when you mention the suit, I'm like, I I, I don't want to say that Teen, Teen Wolf influenced that idea, but it might have. <laughs> <laughs> Teen Wolf is all of us. I, I, I love Teen Wolf a lot. I think that uh, when I was younger, it was all about, you know, Back to the Future. And then I saw Marty as a werewolf, and that really sold it for me. Yeah, it's... It's just a delightful little film, and uh, I highly recommend getting the latest Blu-ray of it because there is a featurette talking about the making of and the writing and the producing and everything that they went through to actually get the film made, and it is fascinating. Holy crap! No, I'm gonna. I, that's oh, <laughs> I didn't know they had a Blu-ray of Teen Wolf. <laughs> yeah, there's oh, no. a, it's a special edition <laughs> Blu-ray. You have to get it specifically from. Uh, Shout Factory. Okay. Wow, I'm looking very yeah. forward to that. Because uh, like, there, there's there's often times where I've said, "Geez, Louise," only because I love that scene. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and when I say it like that, a lot of people are like, "What the fuck is he talking about?" <laughs> oh no, I I totally follow where you're getting that from. <laughs> There's nothing like having a catchphrase that very few people understand. Yeah, right. <laughs> I I feel like in my uh in my twilight years when uh my mind goes uh I'm I feel like I'm just going to be doing movie quotes that most people are not going to recognize at all. <laughs> you know, I think that's a noble goal. <laughs> that's a life well lived. Um, <laughs> who is your favorite werewolf? Oh, man. I mean, that's like, which is the favorite finger on my hands? Oh, well, okay. actually, I do have a favorite finger, but it's rude. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I mean, there are so many that are so good, but I may have to go with the one from my favorite film of all time, which is the 1941 Wolfman with Lawrence Talbot, because he's just... He's so relatable. He's such an everyman, and you really, you really feel for the guy. Um, what, what, what? Uh, you said you, you said it's difficult for you to find like your favorite. Um, yeah. Which ones are like high up there in your mind? So you got, you do have a favorite from your favorite movie, but which ones would you say really when when you when you were deciding this, which ones were you having a hard time deciding between? Uh, well, obviously, I like David Kessler from American Werewolf in London, because mm -hmm. that's one of my favorite films. 
I'm a big fan of uh, Jack Nicholson's character in Wolf as well. And oh. that movie is real, real rough on the back end of that movie, but the first part of it is extremely solid. And I, I really enjoy that as a werewolf film. I love it on that movie when the werewolf was kind of, when the werewolf traits were kind of bleeding into his humanity. Exactly. I think that was a really interesting, different way to go with it. That was thoroughly entertaining. Uh, how about Benicio Del Toro? <laughs> you know what? A lot of people rag on the remake Wolfman, and I really enjoyed it. I think there are a lot of imperfections, but overall it's a solid film. It's fun. The effects are interesting. The makeup is beautiful. I I thoroughly enjoy that film for what it is. I honestly really I, I really like the scene where uh, Benicio del Toro turns into the werewolf in the asylum when they're trying to prove that he's yes. not that he's just crazy and all the doctors are seeing him turn into it and they're just like wait what <laughs> <laughs> oh no uh, maybe he wasn't lying to us but uh, yeah I just I remember seeing that film. Uh, the day before Valentine's Day. And, <laughs> okay. Because that's, that's when it came out. And the next day, I was like, I don't want chocolate or cards or flowers for Valentine's Day this year. All I want is to go see the Wolfman again. And that's exactly what happened. Nice, nice. And so this was the Benito del Toro one, right? Yeah. Okay, just making sure. Now, your Kickstarter, I mentioned that earlier. The reason why I brought up the Kickstarter was just because, uh, what was the Kickstarter show project that's on hold? Uh, Typecast is currently on hold, and it was and is intended to be a show about monsters who are actually actors trying to make it in Hollywood. So every monster you've ever seen in any movie, imagine that that's an actual monster performer. And they can't get like they they can't get jobs doing anything other than being a monster. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to break out of their mold, and nobody wants to let them do that because they're unspeakable horrors. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully that's gonna once we get through the the craziness of the time we're in now, and uh, I get back on my feet because there's been some stuff over the past couple of years that's thrown a a big wrench in my my ability to focus on the project, but. Uh, we're hoping to at least shoot the pilot. That would be fantastic. I, when you first told me about that project, I was immediately sold because it's just a really fun idea. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I, I really love it, and I really want to make it happen. I just want to do it right. Yeah, because um, I think that uh, I, I remember I, for one of the tiers, one of the goals, if someone donated a certain amount, I gave you an image of a bunch of werewolves and your character in like a casting room. Yes. Yes. I still have that. And we're going to be making sure that people get what they're supposed to from the campaign. It's just been a very slow and arduous process. Of course. Um, my favorite, well, you know, it was fun drawing that thing just because, you know, I got to, I, of course I had a thrown team wolf, but uh, then Michael, <laughs> Jack, Michael Jackson's wolf was a lot of fun. It's so good. And then you had a guy in a mocap suit. Yes. You're saying that the, the mocap guys are taking all of the werewolf jobs. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfair. There's unrealistic werewolf standards in Hollywood. Because <laughs> who can compete with the underworld werewolves? They're too a gigantic. Lot the other, a lot of the other werewolves because... Uh, the underworld ones are pretty good, but they're definitely not my favorite design. Uh, -huh. um, I like it. I, one of my favorite things about them was just seeing, uh, a lot of practical effects on them. Not when they're like doing, not, not when they're running and like climbing on the walls, but there was just a sure. lot of prosthetics that I really enjoyed. Yeah. I mean, the special effects are pretty solid and I do enjoy watching underworld. I, I will say that unabashedly, but you know, I am very picky about werewolves. <laughs> Which one is your favorite Underworld movie? The first one. The first one? Nice. That's the only one that I watch. Because I've seen most of the others, and I just... Even I have my limits. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, 
you work on so besides uh besides your typecasted show uh you also have worked on other you you worked at crypt tv yes that's correct and what is crypt tv crypt tv is a short form youtube horror channel mhm and so, what did you, oh gone oh so yeah it's it's all horror shorts and what did you do for crypt tv uh, I was the director of product experience, so I oversaw all of their merchandise from concept to production to getting it out to the fans. Which uh, I remember seeing a lot of stuff that you were posting, a lot of the merchandise you were posting that's just uh, incredibly. I, I I loved every like I was just thinking, oh man, if I if I had a a fortune, if, if I had money, I would buy everything that you posted. It was just great. Oh, thank you. I put a lot of thought and a lot of effort into everything that I produced while I was there. Um, okay. And it was really nice to to have, to be trusted to come up with things conceptually and see them through all the way. And it shows. Um, and that also goes, that, that goes with your, uh, what, what was, you have a t-shirt, you have a website where you can order t-shirts that you design, right? Yes, I do. It's called Memento Mori, as a play on Memento Mori. And it is where I've been posting my own art on apparel, and you can also get pillows and stickers and things like that. Which is great. I, uh, again, like, uh, whenever I see you post some kind of graphic that you're working on, when it came uh, from Crypt TV, from, from Typecasted to, from Typecast to Crypt TV, to your website, your own personal website, uh, it's just been uh, thoroughly enjoyable. And I always look forward to seeing what new art you're going to come up with. Yeah, I'm actually wearing one of my designs right now. I'm wearing my professional spooky bitch tee. Love that tee. <laughs> <laughs> because that's basically what I am. I've made a, a profession and a living off of being strange. <laughs> Which it yeah I uh, you are definitely one of my favorite people I love all the spookiness. <laughs> um so with Crypt TV uh, Crypt TV has a lot of a lot of monsters they have a long list of monsters uh, in their what index glossary I don't know um, yeah, repertoire repertoire uh, <laughs> which Crypt TV monster would you cast as a sitcom dad oh. Hmm, let's see. We have so many monsters, and it's like, do I go with what I think is the obvious pick or go with something a little more oddball? But I think I'm going to go with what seems like an obvious pick to me, which is the look-see. <laughs> because he's got no eyes, he has a mouth, doesn't talk, and just has to gesticulate wildly, I imagine, in a sitcom situation. I kind of feel like I, I, you, you were right. I think that that would be the obvious choice because I see I, I can I think I can I can easily imagine the look see in like the sitcom dad outfit. Yeah, sweater vest the whole night. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more along the lines of like Al Bundy type thing. <laughs> <laughs> They're uh, the monsters are really fun to work with and interact with though. I actually shot a small commercial last year for our merchandise and I got to script it, direct it, produce it, and do the voice of one of our characters, Miss Anity, for it. That's way too cool. It was really fun. <laughs> what was your favorite part about it? Uh I really enjoyed scripting it out. Uh-huh. But, but I also had such a good time voicing Miss Anity. <laughs> And getting to be very proper about everything and uh, creepy at the same time. Can you give us a taste? Well, when you're talking to Miss Anity, everything is very, very particular in its place, unless it's covered in blood, which is also acceptable. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a big voice person, but I do occasionally get to do voices. And uh, in fact, I actually got to record for another podcast I'm a part of today. And uh, my character in that is from Georgia. So that's a lot of fun. <laughs> <for me. laughs> 
did you have to do a lot of research on the accent on that? Um, I didn't. It just kind of rolls along. There's something about a Georgia accent that just seems easy to me. And somebody from Georgia may hear it and think it's just atrocious. I don't know. But nobody has complained so far. But uh, the series is Otherworld London. And all of the other characters are British. And my character is the one American transplant. And what is that about? Otherworld London is a Cthulhu 1890 game that we're playing over at 12 Sided Stories. And it is a highly produced podcast. So we have sound effects and music. And it is women that are investigating the supernatural happenings in London. And how long have you been doing this project? Uh, we are starting recording on our third season. Damn it. Now I, I feel like I completely failed because this sounds awesome. Yeah, well, we've we had kind of some breaks because we've done Otherworld London. We've done Galactic Squad Alpha. We did a game that I ran called Unquiet Blood, which is a game of Vampire 5E set in San Diego, which was pretty fun. Um, but Otherworld London is sort of our flagship game. Okay. I, <laughs> well, at least I know what I'm going to be binging while I'm working on comics. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I feel like it's such a failure. <laughs> oh no, it's okay. We're we're still growing. Uh huh. Well, now I'm I'm you got an average listener out of me. That sounds way too awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I, I feel I, I I feel this is definitely like hearing about a show on like Hulu or Netflix and be like like okay, when I found out about the Good Place, I never really give it a, gave it a shot. Sure. And then I watched the one episode and I'm like what the fuck? Where, where was I? This is amazing. Yeah, I felt the same way when I started that show. Because people just kept saying it was good, but not explaining why. Yeah. And then once you watch the show, you understand like it would ruin it if somebody explained why. It's just, you have to watch it. That is a fair point. That is a very fair point. Well, because like, I, I watched it because uh, it was part of the... So my friend Jen, she who was the person, the guest on the last episode... Um, she kept on talking about how amazing that show is, and I kept procrastinating. I kept putting it off. Um, but then when we had the clown charity, she forced the first episode on me because of Eleanor's house being all clown themed, <laughs> <laughs> and that was her way of trapping me into liking the show, and it worked. That's marvelous. I I I completely blame my love of Good Place on. My fear of clowns. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one way to get into a show. <laughs> it's in, and it, it, have you, did you watch the last episode? I am behind, unfortunately. I'm behind a season and it's not currently streaming where I need it to be streaming. So, sad it's not, it's not on Netflix yet? I thought that. I don't know if the last season is yet. Okay. Oh, because I know the last season was on Hulu. I don't it know was, if they... and then I think they pulled it when everything had aired. I missed it while it was going. Lame. That's so unfortunate. I have to check. I have to check again because maybe I'm wrong or maybe they've put it back up. Um, I I really I highly recommend you catching that up because that last episode was uh, very touching. <laughs> I... Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that show is. Every episode feels like they've written themselves into a corner and there's no way that the show can recover and be good again. And then the next episode, they're like, ha ha. We're awesome. <laughs> we're like, good writers. I, I aspire to write something at the level of the good place. That is a high goal to have. <laughs> yeah, I know. Trust me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that last episode, I don't know a lot of shows that end so perfectly. But Good Place did it. Good Place has a perfect ending. <laughs> oh, that's good to hear. That warms my, well, whatever serves as a heart for me. <laughs> this The dark pit of despair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's slightly warmer now. <laughs> um, so you're a fan of horror films, right? Yes. Okay. Just, just a little I, bit. I feel like I can make that guess. I feel like I can make that uh, educated assumption. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um which slasher movie monster 
would you want to see get in, uh, bit by a werewolf? I mean, I like, I've watched all the slasher films. A few of them are good, a few of them are bad, but I sure. think I'm going to go really old school and go with sort of the first slasher film and say Norman Bates. Ooh. <laughs> That'd be a completely different movie. <laughs> Can you imagine he not only thinks he's his mother at times, but then he can also transform into this monstrous wolf. <laughs> I feel like that would that would add to the already existing little Red Riding Hood concept of that of that movie. <laughs> yeah, it would be very strange, and I'm here for it. I'm just picturing the the bathroom scene where she's in the shower, and you see the silhouette of the old lady, like just start transforming right there. <laughs> be beautiful (laughs) i remember when i first saw that movie (laughs) when i first saw that movie it was very it's very strange because it doesn't feel like it was a movie made at the time it was made it's very contemporary well because they have this one shot where it's the overhead shot of seeing norman drag the body from room down the hall and the camera follows him and it's gorgeous It's extremely well shot. It's well scripted. It's well acted. It's a very, very good film. I think that when I saw that shot, I actually had to go online to see what year. <laughs> like I knew, I knew it was Alfred Hitchcock, so I knew it wasn't something that was made recently. But I still sure. had to look it up just to confirm because I saw that shot and I was like, "Wait, hold on." <laughs> I got really lucky watching that movie. Nobody had spoiled the twist for me by the time I saw it. Really? So I got to experience it completely just naive to the fact that he was his mother. That's pretty awesome. I'm super yeah, it was jealous really of that. cool. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was spoiled for me. Um, but the performances of that film and the dialogue is great. <laughs> while while I didn't get the, while I while I didn't get to experience the shocking reveal, I still very much enjoy that's a movie I can watch over and over again and see something new. Oh, absolutely. When it came out on Blu-ray, that I had to buy it immediately. I feel like I should own there's a lot of films I get annoyed that I don't have already. That's I feel like that's one of them. Yeah. What, do you that. have any Do you have any movies that you feel bummed out that you don't have already? Or do you own um, all the films that you already wanted? Let's see. I really Yeah, I really need to get a copy of Ready or Not. Oh, I I haven't seen that yet. It's very good. Okay. Very good, very dark comedy horror movie which i'm all for it's very good i recommend it highly i remember when drag me to hell came out and Ooh, i like that film. i love drag me to hell i really do um <laughs> but i remember uh oh man i'm just going back in my mind and thinking about all of the good scares in drag me to hell like the scene where the old lady appears in the back seat i love it yeah um but i remember when that movie came out people who didn't know who Sam Raimi was and did not know what to expect from a Sam Raimi film really didn't like that (laughs) film. (laughs) Yeah, he's definitely got his own style. And that speaks volumes of a director, I think, when their work looks like their work. Yeah. You can, you can see Sam Raimi's signature on so many of the scenes in that film, like, uh, uh, when the goat starts talking, I just remember people, friends that I know were like, what the hell is this? Is, I thought this was supposed to be a horror film, but it feels more like a comedy. I was like, well, yes and yes. <laughs> yeah. Porque <laughs> no los dos. I love horror comedy. And uh-huh. it's very, very difficult to do right. But when it's done right, it's magnificent. Um, so, it's Okay. So the new, the new, the new, uh, what was it? Universal tried to do the dark world, right? Or dark universe? Dark universe. Yeah. And that just went womp womp. And I remember when it first, when they first showed 
when it, when it first showed the all the cast that they have planned for the Dark Universe, and I was not a big fan of the idea. However, I kept saying, I kept thinking to myself, and I think I mentioned this on another podcast as well. When the first, when the Dark Universe was first introduced, I think I talked about this. But the thing that would have sold me on that concept is if at the end of like introducing all of these monsters again, at the end they do like an Abbott and Costello kind of movie. <laughs> but uh, they have Simon Pegg and Nick Frost encounter all the monsters. That would be super fun. Uh, that's the one thing that would have uh, absolutely sold me on the concept. And I was like, I, I kept, it, it's, it was no way, <laughs> there was no potential in it actually happening, but I kept on just praying. I'm like, come on, just do it. Just do it. I would love to see sure. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost encounter the monsters. Yeah, they definitely work as a comedy duo. I can't think of many other like established comedy duos right now, the way that there used to be. I think that uh, if I if they did do a duo film, a comedy duo with the monsters, it would most likely pro- it would probably be Seth Rogen and uh, James Franco. But Nick Frost and Simon Pegg would be the ones I would hope for. Yeah, they would be a lot more fun to me. Agreed. Um, when I mentioned that uh, there are movies that I wish I owned already, I uh, I keep seeing posts of uh, Brendan Fraser's The uh, Mummy, and I keep getting really upset that I don't already own it. That was the first Blu-ray I bought for myself. Good call. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie so much. <laughs> It's it's one of the best films out there. Um, I quote it often. I quote it more often than I probably should. I don't know. But you know the scene where Benny uh, wins over the mummy by bringing out all the religious symbols? Yes, it's so good. Oh, you don't like that one? <laughs> I remember being in the theater and being like, yes, I'm Jewish. I would survive. <laughs> It was a nice twist and a nice play on <laughs> what they were uh, trying to do with that movie. I don't speak Hebrew, so uh, Imhotep would be very upset that I'm not actually having a conversation with him. He would hear the prayer, and I'd be like, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think about that scene often, because I think that uh, it's a... I think it's a valid life lesson where it's just like, you know, <laughs> it will save your life if you're more cultural. If you <laughs> And a bit of a weasel about it. And a bit of a weasel about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, recently I saw a post that said, like, all of the reasons why The Mummy is one of the best films out there. And uh, my friend Tabby, who uh, Tabs are, she was a guest on this show uh, in an earlier episode. And she said uh, that the list fails because they didn't mention the, the chair throw. <laughs> and I agree because the chair throw when he when Brendan Fraser, when uh, O'Connell chucks the chair at Benny is just fantastic. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole movie is just. Minute to minute, fabulous. <laughs> um, so, on this on this episode, on this bowl of Question Crunch, I'm we're going to do a tarot card reading, correct? Yes. Excellent. I'm looking forward to this. I haven't had a tarot card reading in years. Um, then it's hey, time. Yeah, I agree. Um, what got you into tarot cards? Uh, I've been interested in tarot for a very, very long time. I can't really pinpoint exactly when it became a thing for me, but I do know that when it really started to resurge in my mind was about the time that my mother was unfortunately dying from cancer. Uh, that year for my birthday, I got gifted a tarot set, the Rider Waite tarot deck, which is... Uh, kind of the the most known tarot deck and really the the template for so many to follow. And I started teaching myself how to read the cards. It was something that really kept me focused and gave me some solace 
in a time when I was struggling. What has been your favorite experience doing tarot card readings? And you do you do tarot card readings online, right? I do them online. Um, and right now, especially, I kind of have to. Yeah. But uh, I do them either via like a Skype or FaceTime, you know, any of the visual streaming media, but I will also read where I will do a full write-up and send that to people as well instead. So it just depends on what their preference is on receiving the reading. That's pretty cool. How do, how would people contact you for a reading? Best thing to do is hit me up on my social media on Instagram or Twitter at strange like that and also through my website there's actually a form to fill out for tarot reading specifically and that's strange like that.com that's fantastic and how what's your uh do you determine the price depending on how long you want the reading to be usually it's like how long people want the reading to be how many cards so i try and be flexible to uh people's budget and what they can and can't afford with it or what they're hoping to uh, attain by having a tarot reading. I also do, it's, I can't really do it as easily now, but I do events and uh, in person will resume as soon as it's safe to do so. Sure. Um, so I, I mentioned, I, I started this question. Uh, what has been your favorite experience in tarot card reading? I mean, I think it's just the overall experience of having people come back to me afterwards and saying, thank you, that was so helpful, I really needed to hear that, and making life changes based on information that they needed. Because for me, tarot is not as much about, ooh, here's the future. It is, here's where you are. Here's where you've been. This is the trajectory you're headed on. If you don't like that trajectory, now you are more aware and you can change it. Or if you like that trajectory, you know, okay, I'm on the right path. I'm doing the right thing. It's sort of a way to help unlock the the truth of things and put people uh, on the path in the right direction. That's pretty cool. I want people to feel that it's helpful in the now and I want people to live happy, successful lives. And tarot is the tool that works for me for that. Most excellent. Uh, do you have a, do you have a favorite card? The death card, the death card, <laughs> uh, which a lot of people is like, Oh, it's cause you're spooky. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but the death card is actually a extremely positive card because no life can occur without some sort of death even when you are changing careers that's a small death that happens to get on to the next part of your life path there's we throughout our lifetimes see the death of many many things and that's the only way that we can grow that's pretty great i like i like that a lot <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful Oh, oh. <laughs> um, what, what do you do? You have a particular favorite uh, art of the death card? Oh, um, I mean, I like the traditional Rider Waite, which has a skeleton atop a horse, and he is basically coming for everyone. There's a king featured on it, and there's uh, somebody of a lower. Uh, station on it and that it comes for us all and nobody is exempt from it that's pretty cool um so okay so let's get into the tarot card reading i think uh where, where are we in the time uh 38 minutes 38 minutes this mm -hmm. this sounds like a <laughs> that was a that was an awesome sound actually oh so, uh, yeah i gotta shuffle the deck a little here <laughs> we're gonna say angie I think while you do the reading, I'm going to turn off my video. So it's just you two on the screen. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. I'll still be in audio, but video will be gone. Cool. Yeah. And I'll hold up the cards. I don't have a good setup to like show you while uh, keeping my camera stationary, but I'm doing a Celtic cross 
layout and I'll also take a photo of it so you can see the entire spread uh, a little bit after we're done with this. And <laughs> I honestly really love that sound. If this was an ASMR, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's give them one more shuffle. Fantastic. Um, so here's the next part of this. And um, this is something I ask everybody when I'm reading for them. Do you have a question for the cards or do you want me to pull cards and we just see what comes up and discuss what I find? Let's do the second one. Okay. Uh, I because find if I, if I ask the card deck a question, it's going to be a silly question along the lines of like, what kind of chili dog I should get. Oh, and they won't answer for you for stuff like that. <sighs> Lame. <laughs> I know. I know. That's just not how the cards work. So I, I need help picking out my lunch and whatever uh, whatever uh, takeout is available right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm Which just laying I'm gonna... out the cards. Excellent. I'm looking very forward to this. I think the last one. I think the last time I dealt with tar tarot cards, uh, I did a tarot card reading for someone else. Where uh, she's like, here, you give me a tarot card reading. I was like, all right, well, uh, I don't know anything about the cards. What I'm going to do is I'm going to interpret it as if an, as an artist. I'm going to look at the art and see what see what I can say. And that's for actually the best way to learn oh, is looking right. at the art. Because what you see in the art is it tells a story. Mm -hmm. uh, the other way I like to describe it to people is that every card in the tarot deck is basically a like a word in a sentence so i'm just reading the sentence that the cards are presenting to me and those uh like any sentence and any language um sometimes the words have different meanings depending on where they fall in the sentence so the gotcha. same card can have different meanings in different places So I, uh, I'm just I, everything over right now and going to get a general sense of what I think this is about. One of my cats is deciding she, oh, she just jumped into the tarot card spread. Please go away. <laughs> I mean, they are the gods of the underworld, so. <laughs> huh. Okay. There's a lot going on here. Awesome. And is that good or is it chaos? <laughs> is it turmoil? <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both. Okay. So, um, <laughs> the, the first card I'll point out is in, in the center of the deck and it is, or the center of the spread. And it is to signify you in the now. And with that card, I got the seven of swords. Now the okay. seven of swords is inverted. So sometimes it means that the meaning is uh, reversed from what it would normally be. I read cards with um, the inversions and some tarot readers don't do that. So it's, it's really a matter of style. Um, but on this is a man who is taking a bunch of swords and sort of running off with what he can get and leaving the others behind. And I feel like in this instance, especially with it reversed and in the context of everything, it's probably for the best. It feels like there's some things that you kind of you're moving forward from and are not as focused on as uh, you had been. And that's that's a good thing, I think. Um, the task at hand the thing that is kind of blocking your path right now for moving forward is the four of wands and the four of wands is inverted. And it normally picture is a picture of sort of this happy family celebrating fours tend to be plateau cards. So they're kind of uh, where they're, they're st a stable card when you pull up fours, but right now there's a lack of stability. And it feels like a lack of stability within um, a very, in a more personal way, which I feel is definitely reinforced by the card on the conscious mind, which is the moon. Now, the moon is a major arcana card, and 
major arcana cards are sort of like red flags in tarot and they really um scream out to be paid attention to when you're doing a reading now this card is really unusual and it's about sort of navigating the inner mind and figuring out where you want to be especially when that looks like there's a lot of chaos there's a lot of options there's there's so many paths and you're trying to navigate through all of that so it it feels like you're very much on a personal journey right now sort of a, a self-discovery journey in the spot for your subconscious mind you have the sun so you've got the moon and the sun in balance in the spread here and the subconscious mind is there is a lot of joy and there's a lot of happiness and there's a lot of very positive thoughts that are being buried underneath the more negative, um, difficult life thoughts. In the recent past, you have the Ten of Wands inverted, and this is a man who is carrying a bunch of wands, looks very burdened by them. Wands are the element of fire. They're about our passions and our creativity and the things that really drive us. And um, it feels like some of the hard work has already been done that this is in the past and you are you've done you've done a lot of you've done a lot of the work and maybe just haven't quite recognized how much of it you have already done and i think it's a reminder to embrace what you have accomplished so far in the near future you have strength which is another major arcana card and it's a woman holding open the mouth of a lion. And it is not about physical brute force, it's about perseverance. So this is a reminder that even though things may be difficult and you're having a hard time navigating this inner mind and the doubts that you need to have a patient strength to be able to weather it. Now, in the spot for dreams and nightmares you have the 10 of swords so you have another 10 card and it is not a pleasant card it is a card with a man um, face down on the ground who has uh, 10 swords sticking out of his back so this is usually about uh kind of what it looks like on the card usually fears <laughs> of being uh backstabbed and uh, i'm getting the feeling that based on what i'm seeing and what you're thinking about that there is some fear of maybe even someone coming and trying to get a little retribution. You've done a lot and you've made a lot of progress, but I think there, there's still something tied up with the past that is not letting you move completely forward and is kind of keeping you up at night. For the spot um, that's reserved more for uh, outside influences, you got a really positive card. You have the Ace of Pentacles. Pentacles tend to be about worldly concerns, so finances, work, things like that. And this card features a hand holding a glowing uh, disc of a pentacle. And it's sort of, it's the beginning of something. So it feels like maybe an opportunity is actually coming your way or has come your way recently that might provide you with uh, a new beginning that has even if it's not truly financial or not you know it's an opportunity right now that could turn into something that is financial um in the advice spot you have the seven of pentacles but it's inverted and this is a guy sort of waiting to reap what he's sowed when it comes to things financially and Again, just in this context, it feels like there's a lot of being patient and trying to deal with that, but it's it's frustrating. Like, who wants to have to wait for things? And then for the outcome card, you got the Six of Wands. Now, the Six of Wands is often called the victory card as well. There's a man riding atop a horse, and he, he's got 
a wand with a laurel on it and there's people around celebrating, but it's inverted, which tells me there's still some time yet before victory is going to be achieved. So I guess the overall gist of this is that patience is required. You are heading in the right direction, but you can't let the things of the past pull you back from that. And like I said, I really feel like there's some concern that someone's going to come creeping up from uh, past issues and you're worried that you might get stabbed in the back, which is not great. But at the same time, you can be more on the lookout for something like that, somebody who's going to try and tear you down and tear down what you've built so far. And you need to keep in mind that you have a lot of very positive things and you've accomplished a lot. And the happy thoughts are there, even though it doesn't feel like it. Um, but mental self-exploration is never a bad thing either. Just don't let it consume you. So it feels like you've got a lot of worries going on right now. <laughs> that, I, I feel like that's a, uh, that, that's a default of mine. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is for a lot of people and it, makes us blind to the things that are good and it seeing the sun card i mean the sun card is the most positive card in the deck and it's it is about brightness and light and life and seeing it in any card spread anywhere is a really good sign that there's really something great going on but it feels like in this particular spread that it's going unnoticed and that was my subconscious mind right yes uh is it is it often that you get the moon and the sun that was uh, that was interesting to have <laughs> no it's a very <laughs> unusual combo to have both going on and it feels like this is a very mm, personal spread and very complex in a lot of ways that's pretty groovy <laughs> I was like, are there are there more celestial uh, cards in there? I mean, really, it's just the two, but the Ace of Pentacles has kind of got a celestial look to it. Um, so it's very likely that that is all tied together. So I would be on the lookout for opportunities, though, because it feels like if it hasn't already happened, it's something is coming your way very soon and it's going to be just the beginning of it um so the that's part of the reiteration of patience in this spread i think is it's not something that's going to pay off immediately um what was i going to ask uh, oh so this card this deck was all about finances uh there's no romance in my deck I don't see anything with romance in here, but sometimes you get what you need to get out of the cards more than it is uh, what we're hoping they're going to say. Gotcha. No, no, I can, I can, I can <laughs> totally understand that. And I'm like, uh, I hear the cards. I'm like, okay, I read you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm perfectly fine focusing on finance over romance. <laughs> yeah, it definitely feels like that. And it's the finance is tied with, your creativity and your passions. And that's, that's really important to recognize as well. Cool. Fantastic. Cool. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to take the time to talk about uh, all of the places that people can find your stuff. <laughs> I'm all over the internet. And if they say my name in a mirror three times. <laughs> <laughs> um, lately, because we're, you know, because of quarantine, uh, you've been doing readings online and it has uh your first time you did it when you were uh, highly inebriated and reading lovecraft which uh i'm i'm it was fun and i'm glad that people voted for no lovecraft because i don't i don't want to hear more of lovecraft uh, <laughs> but i do plan on drawing a comic probably this week we'll see we'll see uh i want to do a drawing of how 
uh, I want to draw, do a drawing of U.S. Cthulhu, where Cthulhu <laughs> is all about creating insanity, making people insane. But I feel like your readings are creating sanity. Uh, it is keeping me sane and entertained. Oh, uh, I'm so glad. Well, it's it's true. Uh, <laughs> I I I love I love it that every uh, there's a lot of people doing live streams of stuff, and it's keeping me where I'm working on art and being able to listen to anything. So I appreciate that, and that was public, right? Uh, yes, I was making those public on my Facebook Live. So right now I am trying to aim for every Wednesday and Saturday at 7 o'clock p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time that I'm reading the Animorphs books, which are no great piece of art and do not hold up well. <laughs> and what I am do doing so highly <laughs> intoxicated. What do, you, what do you mean do not hold up? <laughs> they are... They are words that are on the page, but they are not necessarily the best words that could have been chosen to put oh, on said no. page. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bleak. It's very much written at a YA level, and it is just as an adult, and then on top of that drinking, <laughs> they're, it's a rough read. It's oh, rough. no. <laughs> I'm looking very forward to that. Is the video still on your Facebook, right? Because I got to check this yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, um, I'll make sure the second one is public as well. It should be. It's hard to keep that, track. <laughs> and that will be that will be this one. Well, I guess after this, after because this this uh, this episode is going to go on Friday, so the second one will already be up available. Correct? If you yeah. can do that, excellent. Yeah. Um, and you can find your. You do a lot of art on your website, which you mentioned earlier. Mentioned again, you know, for people <laughs> who didn't listen the first time. Strangelikethat.com. And you have a, a T T Spring. What's yeah, that website like? Yeah, it's a Teespring store. Okay, it's good. easiest to just go to my website and click on the link to shop. Oh, even better. That's that's more helpful for me because I. I couldn't remember the website for the T-shirts, and I sound like an old person where I'm like, "Oh, the Pokemon's it's on it's on Teespring." <laughs> yeah, it's that whole thing too, where it's like the Teespring.com/store/strange like that, and it's like just go to my <laughs> website, shop. Fantastic. We'll, we'll we will make sure to post a link uh, when we do this. We'll, we'll post like a little graphic of the website name when we uh, post this. Yeah, um, <laughs> Do you have any other projects you want to mention that you're working on? Uh, I mean, that is a lot of it. I do a lot of streamed games. So okay. uh, people can watch me streaming live on Mondays at 7 o'clock, again, Pacific Standard Time, uh, with Happy Jacks. And what is the game usually? Uh, with Happy Jacks, we vacillate uh, every other Monday uh I'm in two games. So I'm in one that's called the Greenwood Collective, and it is a Shadowrun game, although that's coming to a conclusion. But I will be starting in a new game that I don't think I can talk about just yet uh, in the same time slot. And then on the alternating Mondays, it's Tales from the Flood, or Things from the Flood, which is a sequel to Tales from the Loop, which is sort of a kids on bikes, 80s that never was sort of game but we progress the characters to the 90s and sort of the disaffected youth of the 90s and navigating a really strange town. So it's kind of like a more grown-up Stranger Things. That sounds pretty great. It's super fun, and I really enjoy my character for that, although she is mentally taxing because I'm kind of the responsible one of the group somehow for whatever reason so i have to help keep the other people out of trouble <laughs> so is it more like stranger things or goonies it's more like stranger things okay okay well because like when when i mean i guess that makes sense because you're doing a whole town thing uh yeah. it's just that uh immediately when you said the more responsible one i thought mikey and i was like no my, my it's isn't mike the which one was the main kid on the, the, the 11th boyfriend Oh, uh, is yeah, that Mike? I think it's Mike. Okay, yeah. cool. Still another Mike. All right. 
<laughs> Glad they keep consistent with mics. Um, just uh, I, 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 whenever I think about like the the monster, spooky, strange kid genre, my mind goes immediately goes to uh, two of them actually. There's Goonies, and then there's a uh, Monster Squad. I was just about to say Monster Squad. <laughs> Monster Squad's my jam. Uh, I've often thought that I would thoroughly enjoy a remake of Monster Squad. That'd be interesting. It's funny to watch it now with modern perspectives, because, I mean, that's said of a lot of movies, but there's there's problematic stuff in there. You're just like, whoa! So much problems. <laughs> <laughs> throughout the whole movie you're just like I don't know if you can say that <laughs> big yike <laughs> but I do like it when the kid with the shotgun after killing the the, the, the sea monster being like my name <laughs> yeah <laughs> favorite scene for that film well thank you so much for joining us uh, this is the first Skype episode that we've done so I hope it wasn't uh, too jarring or too <laughs> Getting strangely used to it. Okay, cool. It's it's my first Skype interview, so I'm. Uh, it's interesting because uh, all the body language of actually being face to face with someone is out 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 of there. So this has been tricky, I, but yeah. I like I've enjoyed it. Oh, no, um, I had a great time. Excellent, and thank you so much for the card, uh, the tarot cards. Uh, go check uh, for all of you listeners out there. Uh, go check out Mac, uh, go check out her website. It's, and I highly recommend take it, take, gain a tarot card reading yourself. Anything more you would like to add? Uh, I think that's about it. That's all the, the big stuff that I'm up to right now. I'm always looking for new projects though. <laughs>